Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. My name is Anna Harak, and I'm filling in for Randy this week. Randy is unfortunately unable to join us, but of course, he is always here in spirit. I'm actually really bummed that Randy couldn't make it for this episode because we really do have a very fantastic guest this week. My very dear friend and former colleague, Andy Robbins, joins us. She is the Integration Director and Business Development Manager at Reister, which is one of Phoenix's largest and longest-running ad agencies. Now, I've had the great fortune of working with Andy at two different companies, actually. The first was Philosophy, the skincare and cosmetics company. We were actually there at the corporate office together. And the second was at Reister, where I was a content strategist, and way back then, she was a project manager, so she has definitely moved up. Um, and for very good reason. Now, one of the many reasons I've been wanting to have Andy on for quite some time is because she just brings so many different hats to the table, and she is a genuinely brilliant digital marketer. She actually has a very solid background in content strategy and creation, but then as part of her day-to-day job, she actually does account management and sales and you know the entire integration piece. So she has this unbelievably well-rounded perspective, and you're going to hear that today. In fact, some of the things that you're going to hear from our conversation are her perspectives on things like how we can overcome this misconception that what we do every single day is the quote-unquote just copy, right? You actually, I believe at one point, hear me have quite a strong reaction to Andy just saying it's just copy or having clients say it's just copy. Um, Some of the other things that we talked about were her ability and some of the approaches that she has to get buy-in on content from those who don't necessarily understand its full value yet. She gives a lot of really great tips and tricks on how she handles clients and some of the things and approaches that she uses to really help them understand its value. And of course, most importantly, one of the things that she really touches on and we spend a lot of time on is really talking about why account managers and project managers really need to have a seat at the table when it comes to content planning and creation. Even if the word content isn't in their title, they really do need to be there. Um, And Andy, working with Andy has really taught me this, that, you know, creating content in our content silos is never the best idea. And it really helps to have the right account people in the room. Um, But she also has some tips and tricks for those account managers out there who want a seat at the table as well. So without further ado, let's hear what Andy has to say about content and her thoughts, because I think you all are really going to love just the different perspective that she brings and the amazing insights that she drops in this episode. Um, She really does bring a very sort of yin and yang balance to the other half of our usual content conversations. So let's hear what Andy has to say. Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I've actually 
really wanted to have you on the podcast for a long time. Um, our schedules haven't worked out. You travel a lot. You bounce back and forth between LA and Phoenix, but we have worked together a lot in the past. You are someone that I adore working with. And I'm so happy to have you here because I think you're going to provide an amazing perspective for everybody today. Well, I am super flattered that you would have me on your podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is my first podcast. Uh, this is my first time podcasting from a closet. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> so fun fact. So Andy just mentioned first time podcasting from a closet. For those of you who don't know, I actually record out of my walk-in closet um, because this, the clothes make an amazing sound dampener. So I don't have like the super fancy studio. Every time you hear me every single week, it's actually from my walk-in closet. And it's... Andy and I are hanging out in there now. Um, but so Andy, so you are genuinely somebody I've wanted to have here for a long time because you and I have worked at a couple of different places together. So I know you really well, but would you mind just telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm going to try to make this super interesting, or at least less boring. Um, not it a is long very story. Interesting. You've worked at a lot of different companies. I worked for a few companies. So started out working for Philosophy Skincare, doing e-commerce marketing for them. Um, I worked on their social media, building their Facebook presence, um, also doing email marketing. Uh, with our email marketing team. Um, and then as we redesigned our website, was really instrumental in the redesign project there. Um, then moved to Restore Advertising Agency, where I worked in digital project management for a couple of years, um, overseeing all range of projects from uh, very minor $50,000 website build outs to very large scale websites, some mobile apps. So got a lot of experience there. Left for a little bit, did some tech sales. So selling some technology that was developed for educational institutions. So partnered directly with universities, higher education, education. Uh, that was an interesting little break on life. Um, and then I went to Red Door Interactive in San Diego, worked for them for a while doing account management, specifically on digital work. And now here I am back at Reister working our, out of our LA office, working on uh, account management again, sort of specializing in digital. So one of the things that I love is that because you've had all of this different experience, you wear so many different hats. Now, I don't mean this as a slam against anyone, but a lot of times when you work in the agency field and, you know, writers out there, I know you know how I feel about this, but a lot of times agency account managers are oftentimes the quote unquote relationship people. And they're very much trying to stay neutral and they have a really hard job not to give them you know, any sort of flack, but you know, they're trying to make the client happy. They're trying to make the internal agency people happy. But one of the things that I've always loved about working with you is you have never taken that stance. First and foremost, I think it happens to be because you started off as a content creator with philosophy. And so you wear this totally different hat. Can you tell us a little bit about how you approach project management and just how content creation and how content strategy actually fits into your role? Well, I think when it comes down to it in the role of account manager, a lot of times where problems arise people tend to fall back on whatever the client asks for is what we need to deliver. Right. So it's more about keeping the client happy. It's not about thinking through what's actually going to be best for the client and what's going to help them deliver on their goals. And so a lot of times people just get a little bit caught up in making sure that we're delivering on what the client's asking for, as opposed to considering the bigger picture and how does this fit into the overall strategy? And if they're asking for, is that actually what's right for their business objectives? And so that's where there's sometimes a disconnect. And I feel like a lot of times if you go back to take that 
that step back and think, what's the big picture here? What's the problem we're trying to solve? What's the goal we're trying to achieve? And what tactics and what elements and what strategic pieces are going to fit that? That's where our value should be as the account management team. And so it's kind of thinking through that request and asking yourself, does this make sense? Is this the best thing? And then going back to the team and leveraging them and their expertise to help you figure out how we really answer that question and then go back to the client with a well thought out strategy. So it's not just a, okay, you've asked me for this one thing. I'm going to go write a brief now against that one thing and deliver it. It's let's go back and think about the question you've asked me and the thing you've asked me to do and really consider, does that make the most sense to help you be successful as a client, as a brand? Which is amazing because I think oftentimes, especially working as a content creator and a content strategist and a content marketing strategist, we get really caught up in sort of what the best situation would be, which isn't always the ideal situation for a client. And so one of the things that I love about the way that you approach project management is that you do have that content background. And so you would always ground our conversations and not in like a Debbie Downer way, but in a way that was very true, like you just said, to client goals and client objectives. And so how do you fight for that position in the room when content is being thought of and content strategy is happening, content marketing plans are being made because a lot of times account managers get cut out of that process, unfortunately. We do. And so I wouldn't say it's done gracefully or it's done well, but sometimes you have to fight the fight. You have to fight every battle. You know, we always like to try to pick our battles and sometimes that looks more like picking every single battle. But I think a big piece of it though, as opposed to just fighting the battle is to showing that you're actually providing value to the team. So if you're just coming into the team and you're just sort of saying you're giving directives and you're giving orders, they're going to be more likely to push you out. But when you come to the team and you frame it from a perspective of here's the problem, let's collaborate as a team. And you're opening up the conversation to people as opposed to just telling people what to do and giving orders. People are a lot more interested and willing to invite you back into the conversation and they start to see value. So when you allow yourself to be part of the conversation as opposed to always driving and determining the conversation um, and sort of just contributing, you know, whether it's your anecdotal experience with the client or whether it's, you know, the value that you're providing in terms of expertise in the industry because you've worked in it for a long time and you've sort of specialized in that area, people tend to see more of that value when you're not trying to shove it down everybody's throat. So it's kind of a little bit of a balancing act where you want to come in and say, I want to bring you guys in. I want to open this up, but I also want you to invite me into the process. Sometimes it's a little bit more of, I'm going to kick the door in and I'm going to make sure I'm involved in the process. I mean, sometimes you have to. Yes. But if you manage that well, and if you, again, continue to provide and prove value to the team as you're involved, you're going to find that they're going to be more likely to invite you to be part of that collaborative process moving forward. Well, and it's just super interesting too, because, you know, we tend to think of just content creators and you know, content strategists as people with content titles, but you, especially I can speak from experience, have directly contributed a lot of amazing content ideas. And I think, no, you really have. And, you know, whether you were invited proactively or you did fight and, you know, break down the door, um, there was just such a different perspective. And I think, you know, a lot of times as content creators and content strategists, content marketing strategists, we have this tendency to think that, you know, well, we're the experts and we're the content creators and we're, we have the content title, but we're missing a piece. And I think a huge piece of that is that direct connection, like you had mentioned to the client and you're there talking to them every day. And you're also talking to people on the agency side every day. 
So what is it that content creators are missing? Like, what are things that we should just be keeping our eyes and ears out for as we're coming up with these plans, as we're writing this content? I don't necessarily say, I wouldn't say that it's something that you guys are missing. Um, I think that from the majority of the content strategists that I've worked with, particularly you, I mean, you're absolutely one of the best content creators I've ever worked with. Oh my God. (laughs) Not a plug for you, just the truth. Okay. Um, I, you know, you, you have tremendous experience. You have tremendous insight into the work that you're doing, you're taking into so many different considerations. You're, you're balancing brand messaging, you're balancing, um, you know, sales objectives, conversion goals, um, search engine optimization. There's so many different considerations that you're taking into account when you're doing the work. I don't think it's realistic to expect one person to be able to do everything. So when you're already balancing all of those to have a partner or to have somebody else, who can kind of come and just weigh in on some of those other aspects, you know, being the expert on, I spend every day with the client or I talk to the client every single day. And I know that his hot button is the usage of this one word, or I sat in this brand study that they did five years ago. And I know that this was a finding that came out of it. There are just going to be little pieces of information that you're not necessarily going to know. And that's where I think it comes into just looking at it as it's a balance. And again, it's this collaborative process where each person kind of brings a puzzle to the table. And when you put it all together, you have a beautifully completed puzzle, but it's kind of understanding that you don't have to know everything. You don't have to have all the questions or all the questions answered. But when you partner with somebody that can sort of help fill in the gaps, then you can really complete the picture. So maybe it's, it's reframing it from instead of what are we missing? It's figuring out what gaps are there and who can help me fill those in and just understanding that they're always going to be there. That's actually a really good point. Cause I feel like, especially on the agency side, there is sort of this adversarial approach to the delivery side, especially with content and creative to the account side. And it doesn't have to be that way. And I love the point that you just brought up about having a partner and you totally have your eye on the client and what makes them happy and their strategy and their goals. And you can come into those meetings and actually help supplement everything we're talking about, everything that we're planning, everything that we're strategizing. And you can make it a complete picture. So by partnering together, we can actually present something to the client that is a home run the first time. It's not multiple rounds of revisions. It's not, you know, going back to the drawing board. It's actually you know, a partnership and a collaboration that is often overlooked. Absolutely. And that's where the, that's where the clients get true value with working, you know, with a, with an agency that has, you know, all this experience, but also will invest in, you know, having people that really understand content marketing and content strategy, because content, I have clients right now where they, they don't see the value in content and we're consistently trying to get that message across to them, why it's so important, whether it's to boost their search performance, whether it's to help create the more complete user experience. I mean, if somebody's going to take the time and they're going to go and visit their website and then they get there and there's no content to help greet them or, you know, transfer that brand message or help them understand what's going on. It was just, it was a wasted interaction. And so that's where we really rely on having the specialists like you guys to help us figure out what does that experience need to be. And so much of it is about anticipating the user's needs. And that's where we're not necessarily the strongest because a lot of times when you're balancing, you know, content strategy and account relationships, 
the account people are pretty much always going to be representing the client's interest. And then you have, you know, the, the designers and the content strategists who are typically going to be more thinking about kind of um, maintaining the integrity of the discipline that they're representing. And so there is inherently going to be a bit of tension that arises between those two objectives because they're never going to be completely in line. Right. But what the beauty is, is when you recognize that that tension actually pushes you to create a better product because it pushes you to work together and really understand if you take the time to really understand the perspective of the other person and what they're really trying to achieve, that's when I think you really come up with something that's an amazing product. I love that thought. So I would hate, well, one, first off, I think it's a a good point to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors because you kind of just dropped the mic. So I feel like it's a good time to take a break. But when we come back from our break and hearing from our sponsors, I want to talk a little bit more about the sales process and how we can kind of help people understand the value of content because that is part of your day-to-day job. So stick with us. We are going to take a super quick break to talk to our sponsors, and then we will be right back with Andy Robbins. Hey friends, it's Jay Bear. Imagine experiencing all the awesome that is Connex, but live. Everything you love about this podcast, but for two days in three dimensions in a beautiful theater in Toronto. This year, August, you're going to hear from the best speakers about content marketing at Connex, a truly intimate networking experience with 750 marketers. I'm the co-producer of this event organized by my friends at Uberflip, and we're going to bring together brilliant strategists and brand marketers from all over the industry in Toronto. It's August 20th through the 22nd. Every single session is a keynote. The speakers have been handpicked by me. They include Andrew Davis, Scott Stratton, Tamson Webster, Amy Landino, and leaders from DocuSign, 3M, Blue Wolf, Pardot, and more. Get your ticket today at connex.uberflip.com. That's connex.uberflip.com. Use the promo code podcast to save $50 off your ticket. I will see you in Toronto. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Content Experience Show podcast. We are here with Andy Robbins. And right before the break, Andy started to touch on some really cool stuff about selling content. So Andy, I want to pick your brain on what it takes to actually sell content because, you know, we know that content is critical and that, you know, even things like having a beautiful design, but having terrible content is a horrible experience. And that can really just fall flat on its face. But then again, you know, content can be expensive. Content creation can be really expensive. And sometimes when clients or even, you know, when you were internal at in-house companies, you know, that time and that effort seems like a lot. So when you are confronted with having to sell content, what are some of the tips and tricks that you use? What are some of the talking points that you actually leverage to help people understand just how critical content is? Well, to start with, I would say it definitely depends on the problem that we're trying to solve. So that's going to definitely impact, I don't want to say the value of content, because in my opinion, content is always value. But when it comes down to a budget play, and you're talking about dollars to spend versus what you actually get, you do have to weigh in the cost, you know, the benefit of, of integrating really solid content. So for example, if you're going to make an SEO play, content SEO can't exist without content. I mean, it can, but... Good point. It's yeah. not good SEO. It's not going to be right. the best experience it's possible. It's not. So right. if we're going to talk about you know content to support SEO, for example, we need to frame that from a perspective a lot of times of a longer-term play. You know, So that might be if they've got their website content sort of buttoned up, they've got other areas of their content more buttoned up, then let's start looking at your long-term play with some of the more organic tools. But you know, if you're in a more immediate need of content, you've got a website that's very devoid of content, a lot of times that means you're probably in a situation where you've got a client 
client that doesn't really see the inherent value and why it's important to use content to create a customer experience, to help create that brand experience with a, with a user. And that can be really difficult to sell in with somebody like that. And so a lot of times where I've found success is through demonstrating good content. And sometimes that means giving good content away for free. So, Ooh, so I, spec creative spec and creative. Just spec creative is so controversial. It's super controversial and it can get you into trouble sometimes for sure. And you're not always in a situation where right. you can even give away spec creative. So I find that that tends to be a more effective tool with somebody who already is a client, but they're maybe not understanding what you're trying to sell them in. I have a lot of clients, for example, who look at content and they think, well, I can write my own content. I don't need to pay you to do it. But Literally when, everybody just cringed. Everybody. Everybody, trust yeah. me, I die inside when I hear that and I pull my hair out. <laughs> like and I it's think, just content. We can write it's it. Just, it's not even that. They say it's just copy. It's just oh, copy on a page. I can worst. write that. It's the worst. And they just, and, and the issue is, again, they're not seeing the value. And so what we do in that case is we say, okay, great. So you go ahead and write the copy. And then at the same time, we'll kind of go aside and we'll bring in our content <gasps> strategists and we'll craft the copy wow. that we know that, you know, we've got the outline of the page. We know what they're going to write and we'll write it out. And when you show them the content that a strategist has written, and when you show them the value that you get from somebody who actually understands a content strategy in a well thought out plan, and they've got a goal and an objective, and it's written in a way that supports the brand message, but is also going to help guide somebody through whatever sort of funnel we're working with at that time. That's how you show them the value. And that's where they look at it and they think, I never could have written that, or there's nobody on my team that could have written that. And so if you sort of start just showing them bit by bit, the value and how what a difference it makes when it's done well and how well it represents their brand and when you can really reflect their, their reflect their brand tone. I think that's a really good way of doing it. But again, you're sort of dipping your toe in that dangerous water of spec creative, which wow. is always touchy, but I, I've found a lot of value and I've actually had a lot of wins by doing that. I feel like that's almost like when you are sort of like car shopping and they're like, yeah, sure. You could totally get the base model, but look at the luxury model. Look at the high end. And it's like, once you start looking at the high end model, you're like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. I get it. I see it. I see what I'm paying for, but that's super tricky. I like it. I like that a lot. It is. But I think part of it too, is also when you come to them with that, you also have to have a way to be able to measure success because you know, you can say, this content reads much better than what you've presented. But then the question they, they come back to you a lot of times is, well, I don't think it matters. Like it says the same thing. The, the, the user is going to get the same information. But when you say, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the engagement metrics. So we're going to start monitoring time on site. We're going to start monitoring. Are they engaging with more pages on the website? Are they now signing up for the email, um, the email newsletter that's on that page because they're more interested in the content? So what you have to do is sort of, you know, breadcrumb them a little bit and like give them the pieces where it kind of starts making sense to them. And it's, it's, it's like seeing is believing. They're not just going to believe it because it sounds good. They actually have to see some sort of demonstrable measurement of success. And so when we can tie it back to data and we can tie it back to analytics, or we can tie it back to something that's measurable, it's a much easier case in the future to say, we did this for you once. We saw this really great performance. Now let's keep trying it and seeing if we can, can continue to grow that success. So have you seen, cause you've been doing this for some time now. Um, have you actually seen the adoption of content get better? Do people seem to understand it more? Or is it still kind of, you know, we need to see some spec creative first, or we need to see some kind of sample plan first? I mean, honestly, I would say it it varies and it differs based on the client, based on the brand, based on the industry. Um, I'm really fortunate to have some some clients that produce 
incredible volumes of content. And, and when we go back and we look at their analytics and we look at what's driving traffic to their website and we look at what their users are, enact- are engaging with, we can see that it's the content, but there's always, again, a balance. So sometimes you have these really amazing producers of content, but they're producing too much of it and it's not it's not in a strategy. It's not in a well thought out form. It's just kind of like this content blizzard and it's just out there. And it's, we're doing a website redesign for a client right now. And they have about 1400 pages of like blog content and recipe content. And so we're kind of going through this effort right now where we're like, how do we boil this down into content pillars and how do we organize this in a way that makes sense for the users to be able to find? And, you know, we also don't want to just dump everything that, you know, we don't see perceived to be valuable because that's giving them SEO performance. It's boosting their rankings. So there's a lot to consider when you're trying to call through somebody else's content that they've created. So it's kind of like a blessing and a curse to have somebody who is such a great content creator because they can create lots of it and it's really good, but it's not always organized well. And again, that's where you really need the support of a really solid content strategist to be able to wrap your arms around everything and parse it and make sure that does it make sense? Are we just, you know, creating all this content, but it's not actually doing anything for a brand or it's not actually doing anything to drive that purchase. So again, there's always kind of a balance to figure out what are we actually doing from a strategic perspective and how does this support our overall brand goals and sales goals? So I love that. Um, one, I love the term content blizzard. That's amazing. <laughs> I think I'm actually going to start using that. I like earlier was kind of working through some content, auditing some content and, and was thinking it was just kind of a dumpster fire. Uh-huh. But I like content blizzard. It's a little bit kinder. Um, and I think we've all kind of worked on projects like that where, you know, to your point, and I, I love that point that you just made, which is that, you know, it's one thing to have an amazing content creator to create volumes of content. But if that content isn't actually helping achieve goals and objectives, like what is it really worth? It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. And, you know, I know this is kind of a, like beating a dead horse here, you know, because the industry now is all about, you know, not creating content for content's sake, but I don't think people have really adopted that. And I think, you know, from your perspective, like when, when you actually are working with a client and you do have to sift through like 1500 pages of blog content, I mean, you know, quantifying how much they've spent, but then also trying to tell them that it's better off if we change the strategy Mm -hmm. and create more content in this direction, Mm -hmm. it puts you in a really difficult spot. It's a hard conversation to have, but I I think again, that if you like everything else, if you take it back and you root it in what's true to the brand, what's relevant to the brand and what makes sense for them to speak about, it's a much easier conversation. You know, it's kind of like telling somebody that their baby's ugly. That's a horrible <laughs> yeah, thing to no, say. Yeah, no, I've used that analogy before. It's a, a horrible lot. thing yeah. to say. And there's got to be a nice way to say it. And it's right. always going to hurt. But at the end of the day, if you say it with love right. and you know that you're coming from a good place and you're coming from a place that I want to make you more successful and I want to make your customer happier, um, those are those are coming from a good place. So it's taking it back to, you know, we have to think about what messages, what content do we have that lifts up the brand message that helps, that helps our users better align with us, better understand who we are, why we're doing what we're doing and why we're different from our competitors. Um, but then also what's relevant to our product. You know, are we talking about political movements when we're not a brand that should be playing in that space? Or are we talking about recipes when it's not truly relevant to the content and the product that we're selling? It's really thinking through what makes sense. Um, I think a lot of times with brands and even with agencies, we get into this sometimes where we get so attached to an idea that we've just started speaking to ourselves. And we're talking Mm. about something where it's this really cool idea. But when you actually take those 10 steps back and look at the idea, it's not at all connected to what's happening with the brand. And it just really doesn't make sense. And it hurts, but sometimes you just have to back away from those ideas. I love that. Especially, yeah, it's really hard, especially being 
a content creator and being creative and coming up with creative ideas where it might be a good idea, but maybe it's not the right idea for this right client. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And that's the hardest pill to swallow, I think, as you know, content creators, content marketers. So in that instance, then, to flip the table a little bit, um, for the final question, <laughs> what sort of key tips or tricks would you impart being a content creator yourself, but also managing accounts and managing client relationships and being a digital strategist? What are some tips that you would love to impart on people to just create better content? Well, one of the kind of themes that's been staying with me lately is just thinking about things from multiple perspectives. So a lot Mm. of times I'm thinking about something, whether it's a piece of content that we're creating or a landing page that we're designing or a video script that we're writing, whatever it is. I'm thinking about it from the perspective of what's going to look beautiful, what's going to be beautiful, what's going to be quality, what's going to be interesting, what's going to be exciting. Um, And that's not enough. So then it's thinking about it from the client's perspective and then thinking about what's going to help move the needle, what's going to help drive my brand message, what's going to help people purchase my product. And then you have to take it further to now think about from the user's perspective, what does it mean to them when they engage with that piece of content? And are they actually getting the right message? Because so much of the work... (laughs) I shouldn't say so much, but some of the work that we've been doing lately, when I go back and look at it through that user's lens and through that customer's lens, I'm thinking, this isn't making sense. And I don't know what they want me to do with this message. And it's interesting Mm. and it's cool, but I'm not actually sure what my next step is. So I think what's really important is to take the time to really think through your message and think through your strategy to make sure that you're considering it from all different perspectives and and also considering it from the different perspectives of the customer journey. So is this something that's truly supposed to be an awareness-focused message? Because if that's the case, are we really pushing that message or are we maybe focusing too much on conversion when it should be awareness? So really making sure that the piece of content and what you're creating is appropriate for the phase of the funnel that they're in and that it's going to make sense for them. But again, that it's always reinforcing those brand messages and that it's done in a way that's consistent and it's just going to make sense. Nice. I feel like you wrapped up so many ideas and tips. That was like the ultimate tip and trick. <laughs> I No, but I really do. I love the different perspectives messages because you're right. I think it's so easy to say, this is my strategy. This is the direction we should go. So let's go. But then it's like, you know, you're just one person and you're working in a silo. So it's important to consider all of those other perspectives. So no, I totally agree. I think that's amazing. Well, thank you. I think we can, we tend to get a little bit protective sometimes of the work that we're doing and the amazing idea that we've had. Um, and it can be easy sometimes to forget that there are other people to consider in this whole equation and those people are customers and those people are clients um, and they're important. And so sometimes you have to sort of let go of that really cool thing because it doesn't make sense, but that doesn't mean it's dead. The idea is never dead. You (laughs) can always sort of like make it work somewhere else, hang on to those good ideas, but make sure that you're not wasting the good ideas on the wrong occasion. That's, I feel like there's no greater mic drop than that. (laughs) So Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We have gotten to know a little bit about you from the professional side we want to just get to know a little bit more about you from the personal side. So if you wouldn't mind hanging with us for just a few more minutes, we're going to ask you just a couple of personal questions. Oh my gosh, here we go. Okay, everybody stick with us and we'll be right back. All right, so Andy, I know you. Because I'm nervous. No, don't be nervous. <laughs> don't be nervous. I'm not going to throw like any sort of curveballs at you. Okay. I mean, you know, you can. I mean, I can, yeah, but I okay. won't. Okay. I'll right. be nice. Okay. So I've known you for a long time, mm-hmm. but there are things that I still don't know about you. 
So for example, like, what are you binge watching right now? Like, is there a Netflix show? Is there a Hulu show, an HBO Go show? Like, what is the top of your list right now? So that's kind of funny that you ask. Um, Binge watching is a little bit interesting for me because I live in a spot that has sort of my Wi-Fi is a little spotty. We'll just leave it at that. And so That's I'm horrible. lucky if I can get through a full episode of anything before my Wi-Fi sort of, you know, dies on me. And when that happens, I kind of just take it as a signal to go do something else more productive. But so I will say there are a couple things that I've either just finished binge watching or I'm in the process of watching. Um, well, I just finished Handmaid's Tale. Yes, which we excellent. Talked a little bit about, which is excellent. amazing. Yes. Uh, also just finished up the latest season of Billions, which if you're not watching Billions you need to watch Billions. Like I have just, not watched Billions. You need to watch Billions. Is that Showtime? It's Showtime. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's everything that you want. It's, it's Is that just... the Meghan Markle show? No, that suits. Oh, sorry. No. That's okay. a good one too. Okay. That's a good but, one too. No, oh no, Billions is Paul Giamatti. Yes. And then, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So good. Oh my God. It's amazing. If you're like into finance, you don't even have to be into finance. If you're in a drama, it's just great. And then of course there's Shameless because yes. that show just like never, you can't guess what's going to happen and it's just always good. I'm always surprised at how long that show has actually been on. Isn't it like seven or eight seasons Yeah. Now? The ninth season is coming out in like Nine. September. Okay. Yep. So okay. It's good. So I need to update my Netflix and my streaming cues. Yes. I'll share my Showtime password if you need it. I don't tell Showtime. I would appreciate that. I hope no one's listening. (laughs) No, no one from Showtime is listening. I don't think. Okay. So last question here. Um, if you were handed a free ticket to anywhere in the world, like you could literally just show up at the airport and get on and go anywhere in the world, where would you go? I mean, this is going to sound super lame, but I, I mean, top of my head, I would probably say Paris and it's lame Why because I've already lame? been there. I just feel like it's a little cliche, but I just think it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. The food is amazing. The wine is just incredible. Fair. I mean, whether you're going to get an amazing authentic Burgundy or a champagne from the Champagne Caves. Oh, you actually like know wine from the region. Yeah. So there's like incredible wine to be enjoyed. The art, the culture, the architecture, the museums, the music, there's just, I feel like there's something for everyone in Paris and just everywhere you go, it's beautiful. I mean, you have the beautiful lights and just the environment, the romanticism of the whole thing is just, it's a little bit cliche and cheesy, but I just love it. No, it's not cliche and cheesy, but did you actually hear that there's sort of the syndrome and I'm totally blanking on what it's called, but like tourists go and they basically become disenchanted with Paris because like movies and in music and TV and books portray it in one way. And then when you get there, it's sort of just like another kind of massive big city and people become like really depressed. I think it is what you make it. I mean, I could see that you could go to Paris and you could have your expectations set really specifically on a very, um, a, a very unique experience. And if maybe you don't have that experience, you could be disappointed. But if you just go to Paris and you just open yourself up to like, let the experience be whatever it's going to be. Don't over plan it. Don't set your expectations. Just go there and just be in Paris. You're going to have an amazing time. I think that is fantastic advice and I couldn't think of a better way to close the show. So Andy, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fantastic to have you. It's been super fun. And thank you everybody for joining the Content Experience Show podcast. We are available wherever you listen to podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all that good stuff. Until next time, I'm Anna Harak from Convince and Convert and Randy Frisch from Uberflip will be joining us next time. Thank you so much and we will talk to you soon. 
This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.